Sego Sewa Guego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, the Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory in the summer and fall of 2020. These podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services. My name is Lisa Venevri from the Mohawk Nation and Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name program. Welcome to the Ohatde Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate, located on the bottom of the page of our website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada. On this Yohat De Negasuna, the Road to Your Name podcast, we'll be talking with Lori Gallant from the Cayuga Nation from Six Nations of the Grand River. Lori is an educator, artist, and expressive arts practitioner. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for having me, Lisa. <laughs> well, I know what an artist is, and I know what a, um, a, a, an educator is, but what is an expressive arts practitioner? An expressive arts practitioner is somebody who I think provides an opportunity using art for people to... Um, have a self-discovery. Wow, self-discovery. That's pretty deep. <laughs> do a lot of people, are there a lot of people that want to do that? There are a lot of people, and there's different reasons why you would need to. It might be you have things that are kind of stored up on the inside of you, and you need to sort of express what they are, or you have something blocking your life in some some way it could be relationships it could be your career it could be any number of things and you want to find out what is causing that hesitation in my life and usually it's um, something that you haven't expressed something that you push down we have busy lives we have things happening every day and every once in a while we'll say you know I can't deal with that today I'll put it off till tomorrow and sometimes those things you put off for tomorrow maybe years before you decide you're going to deal with it and they could be either forgotten or they could be something that's just too traumatic to really deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, um, people who want to want to deal with these things now, they would come to you. And what would, how would you help them? Well, using art to sort of tap into how you feel. So it's kind of like. Um, I've had people come to me and say, I had a dream about, I had a dream about, say, I had a dream about an owl. What does that mean? I had a dream about an owl. And it's good that you're dreaming, and it's good that you had a symbol in your dream, but I have no idea what the owl means to you. I can tell you what an owl means to me, but the art will help me help the person find out what is the owl representing to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not there to tell them what they're, situation is I'm only offering them an opportunity to experience um, their memories using art whether it's drawing painting movement sound uh, even dreams to 
kind of capture that moment in their life where something might have happened that's blocked their their future where they are today it's probably something that happened in the past and they've put it on the shelf for so long that now they don't really know what it is and they may have an image of what it is but they have no connection to time and space or they may be triggered by something they smell or something that they hear but they have no image to go with that smell or that sound so it's putting those things together and helping them discover what it is and then we can take the next step and say okay we know what it is now where do we go from here Mm, that sounds so interesting so you do this work with individuals do you also do it with groups together Yes, I've done it mostly with groups right now, um, and I've worked with children, residential school survivors, um, uh, groups, uh, um, mental health groups, um, businesses. Everybody has stress. Everybody has things in their life that they've just sort of shoved out of the way, and everybody has something that they need to experience to give them that boost of self-worth again especially right now in the times we're in right now with the pandemic which is global um is there specialized um, activities that people can do with you either um you know through um a zoom maybe for instance connect and do some work that way you can um i haven't done anything on zoom since i you know the the whole pandemic has sort of shut a lot of things down. Um, I worked on a project right now where some some kids have done some artwork for me, and I've sent them out the envelopes, and they've done the artwork and sent it back to me. So we've done a little bit of that, but um, I haven't actually had any group sessions uh, online. Hmm. Well, we could probably get into that then. <laughs> probably could. Um, what about... Um, I know you've done work with the hospital in Hamilton. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'm actually working with uh, McMaster uh, University, the uh, family medical department. I'm an assistant um, clinical professor with uh, the university. And what we did is a couple of years ago, they came to me um, hoping to heighten awareness within the staff and the faculty about Indigenous people and kind of wanted to understand a little bit more about residential school because most of them, as academics, felt that they had the information, they knew what it was about. But when they came to me, they asked if I could um, create workshops that would increase their awareness. And right away I knew... Uh, coming from academics that yes they probably read articles they've understood you know residential school by reading about it but I thought for my own community for indigenous people that that doctors were going to be working with that it would make a difference for them if they truly understood um, what it was that happened historically, emotionally, why we are where we are today and maybe get rid of some of those stereotypical images that they had um, and not come in like they're coming to save the community they're going to provide something and help us and that's kind of what we've experienced our whole lives with missionaries and and settlers and explorers coming to to rescue us and save us because we're not a civilized group of people but I brought them to uh, in small groups there's about 200 of them I worked with the 
the university to bring in um, small groups, 20 at a time, <laughs> and have an experiential experience of, of what it was like to go to the residential school and to do art and to work through their emotions and how they feel and how they respond. And simply by taking them out of their element and putting them on the grounds of a former residential school, which is the Mohawk Institute, where Woodland Cultural Center is now, that they would automatically have to think differently. And so that's kind of expressive right. Uh, what expressive arts is kind of like. You're taking somebody out of their normal environment and putting them someplace that's maybe uncomfortable, uh, maybe foreign to them. It's like entering into a liminal space, a threshold, we can call it. You've come from somewhere and you're on your way to some place. And expressive arts is that liminal space. It's the in-between. And what can happen in the in-between is completely up to the the client. Is it's up to what do they experience in that moment, and what are they going to take with them to the next step? So when the doctors came to uh, Woodland Culture Center, I put them in this liminal space where I, I took things away from them and I gave them the scenarios of residential school survivors. So they were in a space doing art. I was I had doctors writing poetry and doing artwork. So totally unexpected. They didn't know that they were going to do that. They, they had to all of a sudden shift their gears. They're, they're used to sitting in seminars and they're used to sitting in workshops. They're used to being presented information in a different format. And I took it to a different place that was not, not less or more or better. It was just different. It was so unique that it forced them to um, think differently. And that liminal space is really important because we allow our minds to take something that we've seen over and over and over again and accepted it that way. If we're taken into another spot and I show you the exact same thing and all of a sudden we're in a different environment, you're looking at it differently. It changes your perspective. It's like, um, it's a new, a new, it's not a new image, but it's a, a new perspective of what you thought you knew about indigenous people. Mm-hmm. So response was really good so a lot of people were uncomfortable they didn't they didn't like it at first because you're putting you're putting uh, academic people in a position where i'm telling them about residential school which they thought they already knew about it they knew everything about it but they never really experienced it mm-hmm. and maybe as an as indigenous people those are the kind of medical professionals that we want to go to. Someone who has gone the extra mile to try to understand us mm-hmm. and our history. So I, I think those kind of um, programs that you're doing are so needed in not only the medical profession, but um, the judicial pro- profession, um, courtrooms, people who work at, in the courts, they could, they could benefit from something like this. Yeah, because I'm not I'm not teaching them anything. I'm just offering them the opportunity to 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 have a new vision. It's like, who is it? Kent Monkman said the words before in his artwork. When he does his artwork, uh, he likes to reverse the gaze. Mm-hmm. He wants you to look at it from a different place. And sometimes we have to get quiet and we have to be still. And then we can see something differently that we've been looking at all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's the last time you've been to a doctor and they've asked you how you are and they really sincerely want to know how you are doing and they listen. So you usually don't get that 
And mm -hmm. I think uh, most Indigenous people, they just, they need you to listen to how they feel and what they've been through. Um, and so if I can change that, it's contributing to my own community. It's contributing to the future um, of, you know, generations that, that need to find that equal path between traditional medicines and, and, and the doctors that we have today. How can they work together? How can this work together? How can they understand um, what's going through uh, traumatically for Indigenous people, what they've carried from their parents before them or their grandparents before them, and they don't even know. Most people who are children of residential school survivors, their parents haven't told them mm -hmm. about their experiences or their grandparents haven't told them about their experiences, but their behaviors and what they've handed down to them, it's a generational trauma. And it still exists, and it's still in that person. Even though they never went to residential school, they still experience the trauma of residential school, even though they may be two or three generations away. Yeah, for sure. And that sounds like such um, innovative and creative and worthwhile work that, that you're doing um, that needs to be carried on. What other, what if somebody um, thinks to themselves, well, I'm, how can I benefit from expressive arts? Because I'm not, I'm not artistic. I'm not an artist. It's not about the art. It's mm -hmm. about what the art creates in you. So it's mm -hmm. not about um, being a professional artist or a poet or a dancer. It's actually about using the art to self-express. Mm -hmm. So you don't need the skill of an artist. You just need the willingness to put, you know, pencil to paper or paint. And it's actually, um, when I, when I, when I use art, I usually ask them what they like to do. So if I were to ask you, what kind of art do you like to do, Lisa? I like to paint. You like to paint? Yeah. Great. Cause we're going to do some dancing. <laughs> So it's always putting you in this uncomfortable modality. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the true self is. Mm -hmm. So if I were to go somewhere and I'm the same way, I love to paint and draw. So somebody asks me, okay, how are you feeling today? And I tell them and they go, no, no, I don't want you to tell me. I want you, I want you to, to express it using art. And I go, okay, I can tell you how I feel by using art. But because I like to paint and draw, I'm going to give you something that I think you would like to see. It's been well thought out. I know how to paint. I know how to draw. But if they were to tell me to get up and dance and move to express how I feel, I would be so uncomfortable, but it would be so pure because mm -hmm. it would be exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it is. It's, it's finding the root of really who you are, and it can happen in a short amount of time. I can tell you what's going on with you if you were to do something for me, and it was only 10 minutes. 10 minutes I could see where where the stress was coming from what was happening I could I could kind of gently lead you I'm not going to tell you what's the matter it's all about you it's about you discovering something about yourself mm -hmm. so I'm not like a psychiatrist and, and I have a, a pattern of how I do it I'm more like um, a facilitator I give mm -hmm. you the materials, I can give you a space and give you an opportunity to reveal something about yourself to yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds like something I'd like to do one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe shortly. Um, so tell me, um, tell the listeners how 
uh, you're doing your job today in these times? Well, today I am going back to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I decided that this is really a path that I love to to be on. Um, so right now I'm registered as a practitioner, um, but I've decided to go back to school to be a therapist. Mm. So during this time of COVID and online learning, it's it's actually easier to go back to school and take courses. So, um, so when I graduate, I will be a, um, a registered therapist. And I think it's where I've always needed to be because the journey began with my own healing to have uh, self-worth and self-esteem. Um, it was just a way of me to understand myself and my past and my relationships with my parents and with my siblings and and help me understand myself. And it feels good and it's constant. I'm constantly learning and triggers come up from different places. Even when I'm talking to people, um, what they're going through, I can feel like I've been through that. But I have to do my own self-care on my own time. But feeling that I can help people um, understand more about themselves, decrease stress, increase their own creativity, um, develop social skills, a lot of things people can do just by drawing, just by coloring. I mean, the coloring book craze was everywhere. Everybody needed to be de-stressed. And it's still there, that same that same method of, of being creative and being in a space where you can think while you're coloring or you can um, think about things that you don't get an opportunity to in a, in a day. Our lives are so busy. My life is, was so busy. So I started to take the course. I, I already graduated for to be a practitioner and I used those skills in everything that I did. So every educational workshop that I started to do I started to make it art-based because I thought there was a deeper understanding that was collected by people if they were allowed to learn it using art. Mm -hmm. And I think every parent understands that. They, They teach their children by them touching things, by them smelling things, by them participating. So you can read a book, you can study it, you can watch somebody else do it, but when you have to do it yourself, you of course learn more. And so I think those, um, tactile way of learning or that experiential way of learning the smelling the tasting the touching the experiencing is uh, a kinder gentle better way to to learn about life and the things around you and the environment around you and the people around you it's got to come that way and i think that's very holistic i think it's very indigenous as well that's how we always taught our children that's what i was just gonna say it sounds it sounds very indigenous um the way the way that we i remember as i was uh, as a child asking my grandmother how you make dagali stoya which is um fry bread and scone and she and she would say well just watch me you know this is how you learn and she never ever had a recipe, never ever gave me a written recipe, but she um, gave me the opportunities to watch her countless times mm. to do that. And and so now I think I've perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
thinking even of the, you know, everything that we did in our communities, everything was, was when we lived, you know, in the longhouse and the palisades around them, everything we did was very community oriented and it gave us an opportunity to talk. So even when they, when, when the women were braiding the corn, uh, they'd have to, you know, take the husks and take it apart and they would actually sort the husks out. They would sort them out to the thicker ones that were used for 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 wrapping things. The the lighter, more more delicate corn husk would be used to make the dolls, and they literally sat there feeling it with their with their own hands of the thickness of the corn. And while they were sitting there sorting out the corn and how corn husks and how they would be using them, they were talking to each other. Yeah. They started to talk, and they would let out whatever was on the inside of them. They always were counseling with each other and supporting each other. And, and we don't live in those kind of communities anymore. We live in our own individual houses, doing our individual things. So we've lost that, that, that moment where we get to sit with each other and heal each other. We always mm-hmm. had this constant way of comforting each other, being aware of each other. And now we live in our own houses, and we deal with our own things. When you go out in your car, sometimes... People just go straight into their garage in their car and drive away. They don't even see their neighbors anymore. What happened to hello, how are you, and how are you feeling? And do we ever tell people, this is really how I feel? And if you did tell them, would they care? Mm-hmm. So we bottle up a lot of our emotions and how we feel. And sometimes it can be days and weeks and months before you see your best friend and you can vent or have the, the chance to sit down and say, this is what's going on with me. This is how I feel. So yeah. a lot of people are walking around very, very bound up. You know, they, your body can hold a lot of stress and trauma. And at some point, it's just going to burst. And it can come out in the most inappropriate ways. And it can come out in sicknesses and disease. It can come out with migraine headaches. It can be all kinds of things. It's got to come out. And if we don't allow a space for it to come out in this gentle, beautiful way, then it's going to come out in a very harsh way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we, we, especially in these times, we all have to be aware of how we're feeling. Yeah. 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 And, and ask people how they're feeling. Yeah, and, and listen. And listen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I wanted to ask, too, about with your work as an Indigenous person, and maybe you've answered it a little bit here and there throughout the, our conversation, but as an Indigenous person, how do, does that um, play a role in how you do your work? I think as an Indigenous person that I have always been, and uh, I think all Indigenous people are aware of our spirituality, that we are spirit beings. And that there is a realm that's functioning around us, whether we see it with our physical eyes or not. And to be aware of that spiritual realm, then um, I think I have a, a way of connecting people with their ability to comprehend that spiritual realm. Art is a nonverbal way of communicating or self-expressing. That's a realm in itself. You know, when I'm not using words, I'm not doing anything. I'm expressing how I feel and somebody else could watch it and they could get it. Or I can express how I feel and release something into the air. I've heard people, you know, that can shout if you're angry because you're going to get it out of you. That chakra comes out of you. And it's like there is another realm that's taking place around us. And if we can become sensitive to it, then we can 
become sensitive to how to take care of ourselves. I can sense stress coming up. Okay, I can go do something about it. Or I can go outside and connect with the environment, with nature. Even, you know, the Thanksgiving address talks about why, we, why we're thankful for trees. And it's because we share our breath with them. We need to get outside to get better oxygen, more oxygen, and the trees are thankful for us at the same time. So we need each other. We rely on what's out there in nature. And so I think being Indigenous, First Nations, having a sense of spirituality and our connection to the earth and our relationship with the earth um, increases my ability to connect with human beings, other people around me. Um, be sensitive to them and how they feel and how I feel. So I think it's giving um, a voice to um, the creativity within. You think of Indigenous people as always being creative and how beautiful using that creative ability is a way of moving in this world and in this life with less stress. Um, making pottery, connecting with the clay that came from the earth. That's good. That's healthy. Um, you know, making, making, uh, paintings or beadwork, anything where you're actually connecting and creating and using so many skills at the same time. Um, it, it's feeding yourself. It's feeding your own spirit and it helps you to become stronger. It helps you c communicate better within society. Um, I don't know, just being, I don't, I, it's hard to compare myself to not being indigenous, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just am who I am, but mm -hmm. it feels good to, to connect to all of those things, the, the arts and the creative, creative arts and know that I don't have to be an artist. I am an artist. We're all creative. We're all born creative and life's pressure, society, people judging you, uh, take away those gifts or make you, you know, hide those gifts. So to allow you to just make something. And it doesn't matter whether it's the most beautiful thing anybody's ever seen. It's you made it and it's just right for you. Mm -hmm. Everything's just right for you. And it, it's not like um, somebody sets the standard of how we should do things. That's why I hate art school. You know, you go to <laughs> art school and they tell you, you know, what to do and what not to do and how to do it right. It's like, it's like I could give you, I could give you this pen I have here. And I could tell you what this pen does and how it was made. It has plastic and it has ink inside it. Um, but what you do with this pen is completely up to you. So mm -hmm. you take, take this pen and you take the cap off and write. Mm -hmm. Or you could take this pen and decide to use it as a drumstick. Mm -hmm. Or you could get two more pens and decide to use them as knitting needles. It mm -hmm. wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> it's like I can share the tools of things and how to use them. But how you decide to use them is completely up to you. And however you use them is just right. So that's what expressive arts is. It's I can give you all these tools available. I can give you items that are available. What you create from it is completely up to you. And it comes from inside of you. So it's exactly right. And that sounds like such a calming concept. <laughs> <laughs> that won't stress us out. Um... So I know you're an amazing artist. I've seen your artwork. What are you working on now, if anything? I am I'm doing a couple of paintings that have been commissioned by the, um, uh, the Dravinsky uh, Cancer Hospital in Hamilton. They have built a new wing, 
and they have these um, consult rooms that they've built in and they wanted some indigenous representation within the building and they asked me if I would do two pieces and so I've been working on that and I've created something that that anybody can look at whether they're indigenous or not because uh, I wanted anybody to sit there and uh, feel some inspiration from the, the paintings. I'm doing one that's uh, of Mother Earth and the plants and the trees, and, and the other one is of Grandmother Moon and all of the water and the ocean and the streams and the fish and everything that comes to that, because those are very, very healing images, I think, for people um, that they can find comfort in that you know, the, the environment is here for us and it's all around us. And if we allow the environment to to be a part of who we are, then our journey is our journey. You can't, you know, you, you can't tell who's going to be sitting in front of that painting, especially at a, a, at a cancer hospital. But you just know that there's going to be stress in their lives no matter what it is. And hopefully it brings them some comfort in some way. Mm, and I'm sure it will because I've seen your creative art that you've made and, and I have um, in my collection a few original Lori Gallant art pieces that I treasure. <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to add or um, share with the listeners? I think the only thing I'd like to say is that we're in a pandemic and we don't know when we're going to come out of it and where we'll be at the other end of it. We're finding that we have a lot of time at home, a lot of time with our, our kids and our families. Um, you may not get out of the house very much. You, you know, you're on Zoom a lot or you're on, you know, Microsoft Teams or whatever platforms you have to use to try to think of ways of making your home uh, a safe place to be you know shut down your work and put it in another space be with your family enjoy those moments because if the world gets back to what it what it was before then we'll all be busy again and we won't be home very much we have an opportunity to make meals together to sit and have our meals together to talk about uh, things with each other just to enjoy being in each other's um, space together and building a stronger relationship and a better relationship. Take out some art supplies, you know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You can, you know, rip out pieces of paper from a magazine and, and glue them together and tell a story about your day. Try to find other ways to communicate without just talking. Say, okay, we're going to draw art for each other or draw a picture for somebody else. But to find something that's, um, that helps you to realize that the most important thing that we have is each other. We have our friends and we have our, our families and we have our pets and we have um, them to bring comfort to us and we can bring comfort to them. But to find, take advantage of those moments. It's not always going to be like this. It's going to change. Things always change. That's one thing you can count on is, is things will always change. But we have to find a place of listening to music, um, Feed your soul, feed your spirit, allow those things to soak up and it'll just make you a stronger person when you go out, you know, listen to music, do some movement, you know, turn the music on and move around and, and, and let it be a part of your whole body, you know, get some paint out, get some markers out, um, do some artwork, rip up some paper and glue it down, whatever you need to do to just sort of do something that's different than your same routine every day. 
and find some some relaxation in that. It's something adults can do with kids is art. Everybody can sit down and do some art or they can paint, make some Play-Doh, make sure you put some Kool-Aid or Jello in it so it smells really good. I mean, there's lots of fun <laughs> things to do you can find on the internet and, uh, and just enjoy this time. Treat it like it's an opportunity to get to know yourself more. It's an opportunity to get to know the ones that are around you just a little bit better. Mm. Well, now I Lori, for being with us today. Yeah. I, I feel a dance coming on already. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been talking to Lori Gallant on this podcast of Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name. Lori is an educator, artist, and expressive arts practitioner from Six Nations of the Grand River. Yahweh for listening to the Yohate Negasuna Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Vanevery. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. This has been the Yohate Negasuna podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word donate located on the bottom of the page of our website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada.